Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast. This is Mark Yuasa. And this is Daniel Winter. Happy long weekend, Mark. Hopefully we're getting both getting a fair bit more games in, I, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about more games, maybe more video games, but uh, yeah, lots of time with family for sure. Absolutely, yeah. My, my my current mission for this weekend is reorganizing my my board games room. But that's largely involved the sorting out the outgoing pile. So haven't had haven't quite had, uh, had some time to, to enjoy the inco- incoming pile just yet. <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be nice to have a, a good, uh, dependable uh, incoming pile? And I would like to crack open some of those titles with you. <laughs> yes, hopefully we'll, we'll make that happen sometime soon. I know we're just um, very excited that Shucks is, is once again going to be happening in person um, in in a few months now, end of September. But very excited considering we missed Terminal City uh, quite recently. That was that was virtual. And we're very excited to learn that Shucks is going to be in person this year. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm not against Shucks. I certainly don't want to uh, tell anyone not to go. But I don't know how I feel about it myself just yet. Maybe I, I'm just personally not, you know, fully recovered from pandemic phobia. But, you know, I, I think it's generally a good thing that things are starting to open up slowly. Yeah, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on the on the conditions they have there. I mean, I imagine they're going to be pretty, pretty responsible about it, knowing, knowing those guys. So yeah, I uh, think anyone who's comfortable with it should definitely go for it because mm-hmm. ultimately aren't we all on our own in the end? Well, hopefully we can make something happen uh, before then. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I've had quite a few Kickstarters arrive these last couple of weeks. Everything's arriving at once. The shipping issues, at least the last wave of shipping issues, uh, resolved long enough that everything's built up all at once. <laughs> well, there you go. Some things are returning to normal. Nature, nature is healing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, uh, games piling up, what uh, what games have you been playing of late, sir? Yeah, well, I've—I mean, I've had a said I've had a few Kickstarter games, board games, obviously arrive. I'm I'm literally just now setting up Merchants of the Dark Road, uh, probably my most anticipated arrival for this year. Uh, still, I haven't quite read the rules yet, but uh, just just unboxing it. It's one of the most luxurious games I've I've I have. The the components are, are, are quite lovely. Uh, so and and obviously a very thematic game with beautiful art. So looking forward to digging into that. But as far as what I've actually have been playing, uh, I finally managed to get a non-solo game of Nemesis uh, a few nights ago, a with a, with a, fr- a friend's copy. Uh, but we had four of us, so that was enough to sort of get it some interesting group dynamics going because that game famously is semi-co-op. You never quite know who's on your team or not. And it's not like Battlestar Galactica where there is a Cylon or you, you know you know there's one or two Cylons. In Nemesis, there might it's basically up to the players to individually decide are they gonna play as a group or are they gonna go it alone? Uh, and so it's it's a lot of uncertainty <laughs> going in there. It's, it's basically uh, the Alien movie franchise with the serial numbers filed off. Uh, <laughs> it's you, you. You wake up in, in a ship, and there's some kind of alien menace stalking around, and you're trying to explore the ship and f- fix the various issues on it without getting eaten. Uh, so I ha- had a lot of fun with that. It's 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 a very random 
game, there's not a lot you have, not many options you have to sort of influence uh, any sort of tactical decisions. It's mostly roll the dice and go with the flow. So your, your mileage may vary there. Uh, you, there are going to be some very unlucky moments that are going to be incredibly frustrating. Um, so it's, it's really a game where you have to lean into the the emergent storytelling, and, and even as a as a group, like you you personally might um, die horribly, and there's nothing you could have done about it. But if you embrace the storytelling and drama of that, what that adds to the group dynamics, uh, it, it sort of makes for a much better time. I found. <laughs> Nice, yeah. That um, corporate space horror uh, setting of aliens is always fertile ground. Excuse the pun for great adventures and storytelling. There's a a tabletop RPG, a, a indie, an indie one called Mothership that I've been really wanting to try because it's supposed to be very rules light, but um, it's it's definitely set in that alien type uh, universe. So I'd like to try that out at some point. Yeah, I'm aware of that one. I don't know any of the details. I know one of our friends is is quite into the official Alien role-playing game, um, but I haven't had a chance to check that out, unfortunately. Yeah, I have a PDF copy. Oh, lovely. So, uh, I could definitely, <laughs> we should definitely play some Mothership sometime. Yeah, let's that's, 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 that's do that. Add it to the list of, uh, of, of RPGs to check out, at least. <laughs> exactly. we gotta, we got to spread out the Omni of Omni gamers, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about another game I've been playing. Maybe we can just toss them back and forth. Mm -hmm, Totally. I borrowed a copy of Tales of Arise from the Vancouver Public Library. I was very happy to see that while browsing with my 10-year-old in our local branch. Checked it out because I I heard some good buzz about it. I've been really on and off. I just dabbled with the Tales of series over the years. I definitely tried some way back in the day and just some on and off. I really can't keep those titles straight. (laughs) <laughs> but the latest one is pretty cool. I played it for a week, played it pretty intensely, and just got past the first of the five big bosses of the world. And it was pretty compelling. Um, some nice narrative stuff happening, some nice world of building stuff. Then I had to return it. But lo and behold, <laughs> I was just at the library again today, and the copy was still sitting there. So I checked it out, and I'm hoping to delve back into that world and see what happens to uh, Iron Mask and the gang. So uh, I think that's a good title, and I'm uh, looking forward to continuing in that world. Awesome. I'm, I'm not super familiar with that myself. It's one of those series where I look at the list of how many games are in it, get completely intimidated, and, <laughs> and just uh, don't don't bother. I did I did try one of them very briefly. It was on Game Pass a few months ago. It might have been Tales of Vesperia. Is that is that? That is one of them. I really, they're super impenetrable to me. Yeah, I, I bounced off completely. <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit more anime than even the Final Fantasy games have been over the years. And there's there's uh, these cutesy um, qualities to them. Like every one of the games has a cooking system, which is somewhat interesting from a mechanical perspective. And they have these things called skits, which are optional side story character interactions uh, i think in the early ones they were in text form but nowadays they're you know fully voiced little cutscenes that you can just trigger optionally on the fly which is kind of nice it, basically you can have as much world building and character uh, building as you like or as you can handle and i thought the combat was pretty good so yeah there's some good qualities to that for sure 
I seem, I seem to recall it being the combat that I bounced off of, actually, because it's, it's like, a, like an, almost like an arena fighting game, right? You sort of, with the camera sort of spinning around the character as you sort of duking it out one-on-one, and I, I, I struggled with that and, and fell off against the first boss, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how even Final Fantasy VII Remake is, right? Like, they, they've pretty much dropped the whole active time battles uh, sort of thing and in favor of more action gameplay which is i think uh, a little bit more engaging for this current age I-, I certainly didn't mind the latest iteration in tales of arise and i also sort of fell off the boat for final fantasy 7 remake even though it's quite lush that that game <laughs> uh so i'm looking forward to seeing what uh, you know what more tales of arise has to offer excellent uh yeah i need to get back to the library myself there's a few things that i got partway through and, and need to need to, to pick back up to to, to complete um uh, 13 sentinels comes to mind i, I was playing like late last year uh but uh, what else have i been playing i i i mean on the video game front it's largely been elden ring and very little else so <laughs> i don't i don't think we're gonna delve back into that just yet um i'll, I'll, I'll keep that on the burner people have heard of me uh i, I just my experience with that is still one big fever dream <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but on the board game front, one other one I've been enjoying, I've only played solo so far, that is Isle of Cats Explore and Draw. And it's a spin-off, not quite, not quite roll and write, like a, a flip and write, I guess you'd call it, spin-off of, of the original Isle of Cats that was included with this with the most recent Kickstarter campaign. And it's really interesting sort of condensation of the of the original game removing a lot of the fluff around the edges basically you're still filling in tetromino cats onto a boat but now instead of card drafting and managing resources you're choosing one of the four rows of cards in a grid basically and you have you have a couple of options for manipulating that grid but largely you're just choosing one of those four and that's going to be a combination of cats and scoring uh, opportunities uh, so it's, re- it's really it's like condensing that down to 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 it it's it's sort of core gameplay it, obviously it remains fairly abstract obviously it's, it's just drawing colored squares on onto your boat but it's just, it's still so colorful and theme is, is you could say i guess it's pasted on but what is there is is just so colorful and vibrant that I, I i really enjoy it nice as for me for the board game side i've been playing some agricola on bga also been playing a bit of uh, Grand Aust- Austria Hotel, or as uh, I like to call it, Gah, <laughs> uh, with our good friend Matt, I think on Yukata, yukata.de. And that game's pretty fun. It's there's something about it, you know, it's, it's not scintillating or anything like that, but there's some nice uh, gameplay hooks in there. The other uh, video game that I spent some time with, also an RPG, but very, very different from the JRPG stylings of Tales of Arise, is <laughs> A game called Torment Tides of Numenera, which is, they say, ostensibly a spiritual successor of the Planescape Torment series. But in this case, it's set in the world of Numenera, which is a Monty Cook RPG setting. It's a very fascinating sort of like way future sci-fi world where technology is at the same level of magic. And it's so, so different than any of the other RPGs I've been playing as such a very conceptual metaphysical game and also very like much a CRPG, you know, with the crunchy Mm. dialogue choices and interconnected 
mechanisms. And it, it's, it's, it's remarkably retro, even for a game that's a few years old by today's standards. It's very interesting, and, and I, I kind of like playing these different <laughs> styles of RPGs off of each other. So I might play them concurrently. I'm liking I'm liking both sides. Yeah, I've, I've tried that one. I've I've did try a couple of the other sort of modern reimplementations of the the CRPG, uh, but I, I found myself bouncing off them. I don't know. I, I usually like in theory I enjoy their focus on sort of story and writing. Uh, but I just don't have the patience to navigate the the gameplay. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's a little, little too much micromanagement, I think. Yeah, there, there are a lot to take on, admittedly. So I think if you find one where the world or the setting really kind of captures you, I think that that, that goes a long way towards drawing you in. Um, mechanically, it's based on the Pillars of Eternity engine. So it's going to be the one I was thinking of. Yeah, pretty right. similar to that, I think. But there's so many options now with games like Disco Elysium, the the Pillars series. So many, you know, crunchy CRPGs out there now that you know you, we're really you know <laughs> in a new golden age uh, at this point with so many uh, varieties of RPGs to choose from. Yeah, Disco Elysium actually is one I did really enjoy. I need to get back to finishing. I think I was about halfway through. Uh, that is incredibly unique in setting <laughs> and style uh so yeah i should get back to that soon uh it's just it's, you really have to be in the right mindset and sort of sit down for a session with those games uh you can't really dabble so much <laughs> very good i'd love to talk more about rpgs in a, in a future episode at length yeah let's uh add one of those to the list sometime <laughs> uh speaking of which should we talk about our main game of the night let's get to it yeah Okay, so yeah, this week we're we're giving the old Marvel video game adaptation uh, <laughs> engine another 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 shot. We we reviewed the Avengers uh, a few months ago and had some pretty tepid takes on that. I feel, but this episode we're looking at Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, developed by is, I think it might be the same studio as Avengers. Well, under the same publisher, at least. Maybe not the same developer. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was Eidos Montreal, who has handled uh, some of the more single-player outings uh, in the past, uh, like Deus Ex, the newer Deus Ex games, right. that is. Right, yes, that's it. Yeah. Uh, which I actually really like. Uh, Thief, a remake of a really storied, older mm, uh, first-person PC game. And then I think one of the newer Tomb Raider games. Right, because I think I think the Avengers may have been Crystal Dynamics, who did the other Tomb Raider games. So those, those two studios are inherently linked one way or another, and then both published by by Square Enix, for sure. And this particular game, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, came out in October of 2021. So relatively new game here. Yes, uh, but recently added to Game Pass. I, I mean, I actually played this a few months ago. I, I think I may have discussed it several episodes ago. Played it over the Christmas break, I think. Uh, but now that it's on Game Pass, you've you've had the luxury of of playing through it as well. So my 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 recollections might be a little more hazy. I didn't have a chance to replay this one. But I, I did I did have a refresher with some videos and explored some of the. Uh, other options that I missed and, th- and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing this game very recently, and it took a little bit longer than I thought, so I- I'm glad we made it in time for this uh, recording. But it's uh, pretty fresh in my memory. It's a third-person action-adventure type game. The very strong narrative element, 
I wouldn't say that it's, you know, so far towards the narrative like a telltale, but it, it definitely has some strong narrative aspects to it. A lot of narrative choices, some binary narrative choices, which branch, branch off into lots of interesting different directions, but equally heavy in the uh, action combat gameplay, I would say. So pretty interesting mix. I don't think it explicitly says uh, Rocket will remember this after a decision, Uh, but I I was uh, specifically reminded of Telltale Games playing this and then was suddenly reminded that there was an official Telltale Games Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I don't remember what year that came out. That was... It must have been close to the first movie, I think, uh, but I did not play that. And from memory, it was not particularly well-received. So uh, they're, they're getting another shot at it, basically. <laughs> the most recent Telltale sci-fi game I could remember playing is Tales from the Borderlands, which is a fantastic game. Oh, yes, go play of, that. <laughs> right, has sort of been woven back into the Borderlands universe with some of the characters recurring in Borderlands 3. But uh, like we said, this game isn't exactly in that direction, but with strong hints of it. And I think there are actually cases where it says, you know, Cosmo will remember this or Lady Hellbender right. <laughs> will remember this. And actually, some of those characters kind of come back near the climax of the game without giving too much away. Yeah, I mean, we will talk about the combat, obviously, but I was a little surprised how little combat there was there's it's not i mean it's obviously uh, a combat heavy game but there is a lot of narrative chattering and exploration around the edges of that like the combat might only take up about a third of the game surprisingly little i found yeah a third it sounds about right i would say a third exploration a third and a bit narrative and then maybe a third to a quarter of combat and the combat will go into a little bit, but um, pretty strong story-driven game with lots of great characters. And there's lots of good stuff going for this game. This is a sort of a medium-length game. If you mainline the story, you can get it done in less than 20 hours. I don't know exactly how long I took, but it felt a little bit on the longish side for me, <laughs> um, which I'll talk about near the end. Uh, but really, just a fantastic experience, and what a what a lush world. Like, this game looks great. Yeah, I mean, it, it really puts into perspective um, some of our thoughts on Avengers, which was a very sort of repetitive game in, in terms of design. Uh, but this, I mean, obviously, they're, they're benefiting it from it all being in space, but every level is unique. I mean, you, you, you revisit a couple of locations, obviously, but largely every level is, is completely unique and, and sort of lovingly crafted with... with so, so much color and char- weird alien character designs and like the enemies are all completely varied and they had a lot of fun with this and just it went, went, got pretty wacky. I mean, obviously a lot of it would be driven from the comics, which I'm not overly familiar with, but a lot of, a lot of original character design as well going into this. There were some cool, uh, you know, some of the most popular characters definitely from from the core set of the uh, two uh, MCU movies, of course, are, are there, uh, the tried and true characters. And then there were also some real like deep cut characters from the, the <laughs> comics as well. So I'm glad that they went for, um, like it's, it's essentially an alternate history, uh, a different universe, a different multiverse. And actually one of the characters sort of st- <laughs> chatters on about how the d- different universes overlap and how different directions the characters go. So I thought that was a really <laughs> nice touch 
Um, if you were expecting this to be an MCU game, it definitely isn't. Uh, some of the key beats of the MCU movies like Infinity War, Endgame, totally different. So don't expect that. Uh, the characters don't look especially like the, Mar- the Marvel movie actors. And even some of their performances are a little bit different, but I think they did the movie characters proud. Like the, the performances were really strong. Absolutely. I mean, I think Star-Lord might actually be one of the weaker links in this. Um, and he's a bit of a cipher, obviously, a, a player character. And you can, especially partly in that you have choices in how you depict him, obviously. But uh, outside of that, I think all of the, the characters were all very strong. I mean, Ro- Rocket and Groot, obviously, um, I think feel the most similar to their movie counterparts, but are still well-performed. Like Groot especially, there's only so many ways you can you can play that, obviously. But um, Gamora and Drax, I thought, were particularly strong. Uh, in fact, I mean, uh, I, I'm reluctant to say that they were better than the movie counterpart. And I think in part it's unfair because they have like, what, they have 25 hours to play out character beats in this game compared to a few hours in the movies. But they felt particularly nuanced compared to, to their movie counterparts. I mean, this is this game takes part like in, in, in the world of this game. Uh, Thanos is dead already. Like That's all been done and dusted. And so Drax and Gamora especially have a lot of baggage with that, but they've already they've, they've been through all that character development after Thanos, and they're not solely defined by their relationship to him. They have more character sort of... Yeah, I, I felt like this was still very much like an introduction. Like, it wasn't so much like Guardians of the Galaxy MCU number one, where they're literally breaking out of prison. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and and meeting each other. When when the game starts, they're already a team. But um, that's I'm, still... I'm a loose team, though. Right, right. That's what I'm saying, is in, on the, from the very first mission on, there's not a... There's a, a decent amount of distrust... There's mm. some suspicion. There's some barbs going back and forth. Obviously, Rocket and Groot are very tight. But even, um, you know, I love how much like Rocket argues with with uh, <laughs> Quill, right? There's there's a lot of verbal back and forth there. Like ah, that that decision kind of hurt me, and I thought we were, you know, I thought we were past this, or I thought we were, you know, uh, this way or that, or this level of trust. So there was uh, some decent back and forth, and uh, I think you're exactly right. I think. The characters like Drax, all all the main five really, were a lot more fleshed out than they could have done in the in the two and a bit MCU um, outings for the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy team. Yeah, like Gamora, especially, I felt she felt very street smart and like she reminded me a bit of um, Leela in in Futurama, very snarky in this, where she sometimes felt a little bit naive in and like sheltered in in the movie counterpart, I, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, I think a film actor is always going to play it a little bit more subtly. You know, I really actually super enjoyed Gamora's performance. Mm. At the very least, you, you can't mistake these for the movie counterparts, unlike the Avengers that just felt like sort of, sort of the, the stunt actor step-ins or something. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, was, it, was, it was the store brand knockoff yes, uh, series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, they feel, they feel very uh, distinct and fleshed out here. So I, I really appreciated that. Right. Yeah. Like, whereas Marvel's Avengers was sort of suffered from the hub and spoke design of the three or four biomes, the Eidos Montreal team were sort of uh, uh, unleashed, allowing them to let loose with some of the world design and, and character design. And they did some really, really strange and kooky things 
which <laughs> I don't want to spoil, but <laughs> they go to some cool places in the design and the representation. And uh, really the lovingly crafted representations of the deep, deep sort of Marvel lore. Like, I, I hope they... I hope there is a sequel so that we get to see a little bit more of what this universe has to offer. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was very fun uh, environments just to hit, to hang out in um, these, you know, gorgeous vistas. Like I think it's Lady Hellbender's planet with the like giant mushrooms that you're running across and everything. Just oh, and um, that huge walkway where they, they, they <laughs> turn into like a narrative aspect, right? Cause they're walking for like, yes. Yeah. And it's three days all or the something. way out for like, yeah. Um, so yeah, great, great to scale. In, in the level design. Yeah, it's very almost, uh, you know, it's it's stereotypical to say cinematic, but it's it's almost like hearkening back to its uh, comic book roots because they they really do interesting things with angles and, and mm. framing. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, probably being um, a little too <laughs> praising here, uh, I mean, not to say that the game is perfect in many ways. I, I guess from the narrative we can discuss that there, there is some choices in, in the narrative. The I mean, at various points you're given a, a big decision, like in, in cutscenes, you'll, you'll like the, a very early one, for example, you've been, you've been pulled up by the space cops and you've got, uh, you're one of two options of what you can hide <laughs> basically. Uh, for yeah, example, like contraband sort of thing. Yeah. So you can hide the, the, the alien llama that you found, or you can hide the, 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 the weapon technology that you found and based on what you choose there might influence um, something else later in the game or for example like we mentioned Lady Hellbender at some point you're trying to it's like a reverse heist you're trying to sell one of your crew members to her and which you, you can choose to sell Groot or Rocket to her as a as a fake out obviously but which you choose will very in theory affect how that interaction goes down so i'm not sure how which way you played those decisions and, and how that um played out for you i, I kept the llama mm -hmm. and yes, I, I, tr <laughs> I, I tried to sell rocket because mostly because rocket was arguing for that it's like don't don't <laughs> don't sell Groot. like i was you know trying to trying to appeal to uh, rocket um because rocket is a very you know tender sort of fragile character despite his sort of bombastic speech patterns in presentation insecure, insecure definitely yeah it's yeah he's sort of, he's sort of like a wounded character uh, emotionally and sort of wanted to appeal to him a little bit there so you know you you definitely feel emotional attachments and and pulls uh, to really all of the characters even even Groot um has some interesting uh, connections there so yeah I, I appreciated that there were um some key branching points there uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was anywhere as intense as, say, like a Mass Effect, yeah. where the, the fate of worlds is at stake. But definitely, you can go in different directions, and perhaps they were hoping to encourage you to play like a new game plus sort of a thing. Mm, we'll see. So I, I made the same decisions for what it's worth, uh, but I mean, not to spoil what what the other what what the exact results are, but lo looking up what what those actually influence and largely it's just at some point in the future a fight will either be easier or non-existent so so are you, you you trusted this character so they gave you a key which lets you skip this whole puzzle section uh there was apparently is one thing we, we did miss there is a very a little mini game with the llama that we missed out on that that did seem quite unique but largely these decisions are largely coming down to 
just make, making a particular fight easier, which isn't particularly um, exciting. But how they how they tie those into the story, I feel like they, there is story payoff to those decisions at the very yeah. least. Uh, and, and to an extent, I actually found all the, all the smaller decisions a lot more interesting. Like every time you're just wandering around from one place to another, the characters are just constantly chattering to each other, just talking at each other nonstop <laughs> and to the point that it got a bit much, to be honest. Yeah, you're not lying. I actually had a strange audio issue with, I have an official Microsoft Xbox headset. And I think the default audio setting was something like spatial audio or something Hmm. like that. And it wasn't perfect because some of the audio was cutting out when I turned my camera view in a certain direction here or there. So I couldn't actually hear half of the conversations that were going on until I, I fixed that setting. So I was able to fix it. It wasn't a, a, a bug per se, but I'm happy I did find the fix for that eventually. But uh, yeah, basically this chatter is happening. You're, you're supposed to be paying attention because <laughs> you'll have these pop-up moments where Quill will, will have to have a binary choice. It's, it's almost always between one or two options. Sometimes it's three. But very rarely, it's it's almost usually always it's two. two of the characters are arguing with each other, and you've got some yeah. way to break it up. <laughs> you got you got to side with one or the other, or it's a sort of like um, play up the positives in a in a rough situation, or commiserate <laughs> with the bad situation, sort of a thing. Well, are, are you going to um, be a good leader or a bad leader, basically? And it's one of the few chances that I, I mean, I didn't I didn't particularly like the characterization of Star-Lord, but the, in those in those choices, you choosing what kind of leader you are, I felt was one of the stronger moments. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't love Star-Lord either. There were some sort of nice touching moments, especially when, when the flashbacks to oh, his sure. history uh, sort of came about. But, you know, that, those were sort of obvious, typical emotional plays. But I, didn't, I don't really like Star-Lord in the MCU movies either. I think Chris Pratt is, is fine and great at these sort of side jokes but as a character that i have great pathos for i i just don't you know it's sort of like (laughs) where a movie where all the side characters are just way better than the leading man exactly yeah and the game is is precisely like that uh like the mcu movies it's just a star lord is the silliest hero because it's just the ridiculous earth man (laughs) <laughs> with no no actual skills like failing upwards until he becomes a galactic hero yeah right? that, that did feel a bit much sometimes that <laughs> he's not actually good at any of this uh but as i said he's also just a bit of a cipher in some regards but those mo- those moments i felt were done well the, the one that particularly comes to mind is drax constantly wanting to throw um rocket right. like 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 um in Lord of the Rings, throwing Gimli, <laughs> basically. But yeah, it's, it's a moment that comes up repeatedly. And, and whether you allow Drax to throw, sorry, Drax to throw Rocket, and uh, it's sort of a decision that sort of plays out various times over the course of the game. And so, so it's actually develop, there's some, some character development along the way based on what you choose. Yeah, so that, that's, that is a fascinating storytelling tool because it really, <laughs> there's a literal payoff, right? There's mm. a payoff from repeatedly touching upon that narrative choice that you sort of have to stick with your guns, guns, you deviate, or you go with like the easy solution. And the payoff might come down way, way longer down the road than you actually think. And, you know, that's just ingenious story plotting. I think, and then really something that 
separates this from just you know watching watching an MCU movie. It's the payoff is is more personal in that regard, and and really the the payoffs and the touch points are a lot more personal. Maybe they're not those huge bombastic world shaping decision points like Mass Effect, but I, I didn't really need them to be. No, I, I don't know. I don't know if it, it would pay off quite so much if you're flip flopping. Like you're given the same choice multiple times, and if you keep flip flopping as to which you take, it might not work. But if you're committed to sort of, I'm going to play Star Lord in this particular way, at least play out this dynamic <laughs> consistently, uh, it it does pay off on a character level. Like it might not unlock any any big like power up or collectible or anything, but it it it, it did feel very natural the way it pays yeah. off. Um, I, I think the payoff is personal, right? Yes. The payoff is in your head. Like, oh, that was cool how my decision turned out when I when I took <laughs> it to that that direction. I appreciate that that touch, uh, those light touches that the story has and some meaningful payout on a personal level, on an yeah, intimate level. It's more level. subtle than though, those those big dramatic sort of do you kill character A or B, like, uh, which just still feels so forced sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's like the choose your own adventure. Let's talk about the, the actual adventure game yes, mechanics. Yes, about the gameplay, right? <laughs> uh, we talked about exploration. We indicated the worlds are lushly designed. Uh, a lot of the time, you're while you're listening to the chatter, you're also looking at the beautifully designed worlds, which have meticulously designed levels, but they're quite linear. I would say there's a little bit of branching, but it's almost like an uncharted style design. Yeah, that's a analogy. Yeah, you're obviously supposed to go down a critical path. And the diversions that are going off to the side are just to collect minor pickups. I personally do not like that style of level design. <laughs> I, I, I feel it's a little ham-fisted and it's sort of like, you know, like a Disneyland Pirates of the Caribbean sort of thing where you're stuck on the boat. You're stuck on the bo- boat and you can't really get off the track. That I don't love that in level design, but it's, it's, a, it's a choice and they stuck to it and of that they did a pretty good job it's a very well made one of those but yeah i can see it's it's not even so much that you're stuck in the boat it's that it goes one direction only like if you miss a collectible right you're not going back you got one shot to get it and that's it <laughs> yeah that's right and i prefer speaking of, of, of square enix i prefer uh how some of the the newer tomb raider games handle mm. it actually mm-hmm. where they literally have a big a sort of open world level essentially which has a critical path but it also has like entirely optional self-contained exploration areas within that open world level it's, it, they're the titular tombs right yeah because, because they sort of went in a different direction with those games i i thought that was a nice balance because it gave players you know both choices if you wanted to take the critical path and just do a narrative game you could but if you wanted to do uh you know an interesting explorational game you could do that as well and i liked that version over this really critical path linear exploration game but hey that's that's up to taste i think at some point yeah i mean i I feel i mean those those two meta games they have like scripted segments but then you return to sort of hub and spoke area that you can explore and return to and fast travel back and back and forth as much as you like. Whereas, I mean, for these linear games, I felt like 
I guess if it was all shorter, I wouldn't mind so much. But it, it is a, a very long game for just do walking in one direction, <laughs> basically. I largely enjoyed it, but it did, it did overstay its welcome a little bit by the end. Yeah, there were um, some environmental puzzles. Tomb mm. Raider uh, obviously has its environmental puzzles. Uh, Uncharted does to a small degree. There, the environmental puzzles in this were pretty formulaic. Essentially, there's four flavors of them, which map to the four uh, team members you have uh, outside of Quill. And they can basically access uh, different areas by crawling into a vent if you're a rocket or creating these little vine bridges if you were Groot, uh, helping you climb up with your, I don't know, knives on a cliff <laughs> with Gamora. <laughs> and I forget what Drax does. He's just strong. So he lifts, he lifts things up heavy things, yeah. Knocks yeah. things yeah. over. I guess we should say you actually are, you're you're always playing a Star Lord the entirety of the game. You're always Star Lord, right. but you can command the other characters around. Uh, it's another representation of his leadership role, I guess. You know, you're not switching back and forth between all the characters, so it's a little streamlined in that regard. But perhaps a little too much. As I said, you just the the puzzle solving is largely coming down to recognizing that vine uh outcrop that's that's the same as all the vine outcrops that group needs to interact with basically press yeah. press press y for group <laughs> and the signposting is so obvious that it yeah they're you, they're not even puzzles at that point right not really no. they're just like what blips this game is obviously following a tradition of detectives mode style games like arkham asylum if you recall from that series batman arkham asylum and arkham city yes yeah. uh, there's a button you can turn on to literally flip over to this other visual mode which is like a, a sort of a scanning mode right you see like a wireframe of the of the world around you and it highlights specific things in certain colors and it's literally detective mode i don't Part think i really use that much at all to be honest though i, I, I don't other than like one or two moments that it was necessary for the story, I just ignored that. <laughs> oh, that's that's good for you. I, I, Even without I, it, it's still very obvious. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you did avoid that because me personally, if a game has a detective mode in it, I'm going to be in detective mode 100 percent of the time. <laughs> oh, usually I am too, but everything was so easy to find without that, so it wasn't even. Yeah, <laughs> but it's 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 like a it's a a crutch, right? It's it's yeah. a crutch that the. Um, I think it works much more in Arkham Asylum because you are, you know, you know, you're a human. Well, you know, Quill is a human too, but you know, you're a present day human who's relying upon gadgets. Like that's, that's the whole, you know, the mythos of, of Batman is that you're, you're pulling out the, the tool belt and you're pulling out the batarang and you're pulling out the whatever you know, night goggles or something like that, or, or the hook shot. And, this game is very much like that, except your buddies are your tool belt. Yeah, I mean, if, I guess if you, if you have to rely on that over overly, it, something isn't working in the level design. Like, you should, it should be addressed in, in in the in the the base level design, basically, to be making those things more obvious, perhaps. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that because detective mode is like a literal overlay? It's just too obtrusive. Like, I would mm. walk around with that mode on so I could find the. <laughs> the side collectibles or whatever so it made the finding the collectibles too easy and also it prevented me from seeing the lush design of the world that exactly. they that yeah some artists obviously spent dozens and hundreds of hours on so i think it's it's just a bad decision 
I know yeah, why they didn't did it. You're but... overly necessary in this game. They could have just made a few things a little more clear, perhaps. Right. I think it's just, I mean, I, I know this game is, I haven't, didn't dig into the menu, but I know this game is, is quite well regarded in terms of its accessibility options. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember seeing a, a menu when I first booted it up, but I didn't really dig into them. But I saw, I saw a couple of people talking recently saying like, there's an incredible amount of customization here. So maybe there was something in there that you could, we could have tweaked. Um, but I mean, that, that in, is it, in of itself is I guess an accessibility issue if people get stuck, uh, and it's kind of on you on. To some extent, it's on on you for like not letting yourself use it <laughs> too much, I guess. Uh, but it's a tab when you when you're trying to, to squeeze every every bit of content out of a game, I guess. <laughs> you know, a game that did it actually much better. That's a very recent game is uh, called a little title called Halo Infinite. <laughs> um, I don't know if you recall that game has a sort of a, a detective lens, but it's sort ping. of like a, um, exactly. It's sort of like an aliens ping where you, mm. you press the button, you see the overlays and then they just stay for a bit. And then they, they, they fairly quickly fade out. And I thought that that was um, a much better way to handle that aspect because it's not overly obtrusive at mm. all. It's not it's just really painting the sort of entire there. world in purple. <laughs> yeah, it's it's there and gone. Yeah, and I, I think that's a lot less tempting to just have that on twenty four seven. I think The Witcher Three might have had something similar, like sort of the ping based system. It's been a couple like that. Uh, it's, it's that that is a is a more subtle system. I feel. But before we get to, we get too distracted, I, we're talking about the the using the characters to solve sort of little mini puzzles around the levels I, I i don't remember this too much myself but i've heard a few people comment that towards the end of the game the companions will just start doing it themselves you won't yes, need to I did point, notice that you won't need to point Groot at the vines and activate him he'll by the end you you're you, you, you're working together strongly as a a group now and he'll just do it himself and that's, that's, that's yeah. a nice little touch <laughs> it's it's nice in a sense but at that point why was it even necessary? <laughs> like, I, I think I know why is because w- when that happens, you're sort of at this pivot point where the, it sort of becomes hot and heavy action. Mm. I think it definitely takes place in that one level. That's an extended action sequence, essentially where you're fighting from area to area to area. And I think they did it for pacing reasons is because if you're in a kind of a slow plodding exploration mode, it's fine to sort of quietly observe the environment and puzzle out your route towards victory. But if you're in a, like a high intensity adrenaline pumping action mode, I think it would have put a wet uh, towel on that intensity by having you sort of pull out your, you know, your puzzle solving mode part of your brain. So yeah, I think that's why they, they turned that off. Well, I think it's really just using gameplay as storytelling like it's saying it's a, it's a very tactile way of showing you that the group is working better as a team now they don't need they like you're working so well together they know what you they want you to do yeah it's just, it's just uh showing a bit of a bit of group cohesion there I, I, I felt yeah i think it was the right choice uh definitely to do that and also to keep up the pacing for sure uh, one last point, I guess we should point, mention in in exploration. Uh, I mean, largely, if you're going to be exploring around, you sh- you're going to be finding um, resources to to spend on upgrades and things. But there are the the collectibles, the, to- the, the token collectibles that all these games have. But I found like these aren't just something to rotate in your menu. There's a, a, a 
do- does a couple dozen, maybe fifteen or so of these items that you you find are returned to your ship, and then when you're back in your ship, you can actually like the, most of them are associated with one character, and then you can use those to trigger a sort of a real character moment with that character and get a lot of background characterization and everything, which I, f- I thought was really nice. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're, they are just that. They're tied to a character, and they even say as much when you collect it. I think Quail says something like, oh, uh, Gamora would be really into this, or, you know, oh, this is right up uh, Drax's alley or something to that effect. And and I think even in the menu, it, tell, it reminds you, oh, you got this back in your room. Hmm. trigger it to start a dialogue sequence so it's 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 a little it's a little you know (laughs) in your face about it but (laughs) still those moments those more um character uh development moments were certainly well worth it fleshed out the characters a great deal and these characters are just so lovable and um well uh realized to begin with but uh these personal aspects flesh them out even more so, Absolutely. Great. Yeah. So I think it was one of the few examples where it's, wor- it's worth getting the collectibles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's three collectibles to my mind. There's those upgrade components, uh, which are just sort of scattered around the map, which you can, they're a literal currency you can use to unlock uh, a lot of quills, additional abilities. And then there's the uh, story logs, the text logs, which I didn't read at right. all. Right. There's only a couple of those. Yeah. There's, there's actually a decent amount, but I, I didn't read them at all. But uh, yeah, I did cherish those sort of character artifacts. Those are really great. Sure. I, I also like the very all the, the meta commentary every time you start walking off the beaten path and exploring. The, 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 <laughs> and the characters will actually comment like, what the flock is Quill doing? We're supposed to be going this way. And like, it's, it's breaking the fourth wall a little bit there. But I, I always enjoy those touches. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and I love it even better when Quill has like a... a, a quip uh to retort to them it's like yeah hey, i'm just getting the lay of the land here guys it's like you know reasonable <laughs> reasonable explanation <laughs> yeah uh let's talk a little bit about the the combat if that's all right i don't think we went super in depth about that yeah i think that's um definitely the, the weak link of this game unfortunately um yeah so that's the so better, too. But yeah i mean it, it's it's absolutely fine um it's it's certainly more varied it's aggressively than fine yeah <laughs> more so than avengers for example um you've got some interesting team like you, you actually are teaming up with the characters somewhat here you you were you were commanding uh and you, you you've got you shoot with with quill you got your you got your regular shoot your pistols at them you've got some elemental attacks that you can use with him to to exploit elemental weaknesses and then you can command the other four characters to use they, they each have one of four abilities, or they each have four abilities that you can sort of activate one at a time, basically, on a, on a cooldown. So you're basically just a little bit of tactical cho- decisions in, in sort of st- staggering those abilities at the right moments based on what enemy you have. But I didn't find there was a lot of depth in that. Mostly you could just spam the same abilities over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I thought the combat at some point was just the right level of intensity. At other points, it it wrapped up, you know, overly quickly, and then at other points, it just dragged on for such an interminable length that I really just was waiting for the end to come. All in all, I thought the combat was ag- adequate, uh, like you said, but quite forgettable um, in the end. And these huddle moments, 
were perhaps the most innovative, I would say. I haven't really seen anything done like that. Yeah. Um, it was basically uh, based on a certain amount of, I don't know, awesome points you collect or something like that. <laughs> Ultimate meter, basically, yeah. Right. You, you can press both shoulder buttons and you trigger this huddle moment, at which point you, the great white leader, collect your gang of ragtag <laughs> space pals. And you're sort of giving them pep talk, talk, (laughs) American football coach style and saying, you know, you're, you're, you're spouting platitudes essentially. Right. And you, you, you're sort of supposed to take in what they have to say, what your teammates have to say. Uh, At some points it's not all four. Sometimes it's just three due to some narrative reasons. You take in what they have to say, and then you have to make a, a binary decision, left choice or right choice. And I don't know how how did you feel about this this mechanism? I feel it's a, it's a nice thematic touch. I feel there's a lot of like flair with it. I, like you've got special effects going on, and so basically, if you make the you've, you've got one of two choices, and, and either, one is the inherently correct choice. If you make the wrong choice, you get a slight boost, and then just go back to combat. If you make the right choice, you get a, a, a big combat boost, and also it will just randomly it'll hit shuffle on Star Lord's iPod, basically. So the first time I did this, it started blaring "Never Gonna Give You Up" in the middle of uh, um, in the middle of combat. So I mean, it, it, it's it's that that dichotomy of, of, of like some of those songs aren't going to match the combat at all, obviously. But it's it's a little bit like irre- the irreverence is funny in of itself, I guess. Right? Yeah, it's a very um, cute touch. Obviously, very much from the MCU, you know cassette tape, mixtape, gun, or whatever the director's choice, whatever his name is. J- James, um, James Gunn, yeah. James Gunn, his choice to to push the mixtape as a sort of a, I don't know, a mental metaphor for Will's <laughs> uh, mind. Uh, but it was their very cutesy, and I, I appreciated a lot, of, a lot of the licensed tracks that they got for that. But I, I really thought a lot of the pep talk choices were tenuous at best a bit forced aren't they? <laughs> quite forced and actually it was pretty repetitive at some point i got yeah. the same the same you know dialogue prompts and, and options that came up multiple times and they they <laughs> if you choose the right the wrong option they call you on it <laughs> and thank goodness they did Watching because <laughs> they're absolutely right quill doesn't make any sense with these like really stretched and awkward metaphors that well, it's basically it's him making a pun basically on what they were complaining about. <laughs> right. The real trick with those are it's, they're essentially dialogue puzzles where you're supposed to, you know, remember what the character said and pull out one or two key words that the characters they'll even flash those words at you. <laughs> right. That they, they spout to you. So if someone says something about, you know, paint or colors or something like that you're supposed to spout something back about colors and palettes or something to that effect the the, the battlefield is a is a canvas for us you know (laughs) it's really it's really awkward and uh, silly it's a cute idea for a little force and i think the biggest of all the pacing i mean you you were saying before the 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 combat pacing it already feels a little off here it'll just play like a minute long huddle that you you by the end you've seen them all before even if you get it right you'll hear one bar of take on me and then it's over because you've powered up you powered up so much the combat's over (laughs) yeah and and i i really to my heart i wish that they had had the bravery to have an entirely dialogue based combat system yeah you might argue how could they do that but they've they've done it before 
there are a couple of games that come to mind. One of them I haven't played yet. I just know it uses dialogue. Is something called Griftland. Griftlands. Yeah, I was just thinking of that. Yeah, what's well, a card-based like, sort of combat? Yeah, it's card-based, but it is based on dialogue choices, right? Mm, like, yes, dialogue yeah. essentially to resolve conflicts. So I, I don't know a lot about that. That's just secondhand that I'm hearing. But one that comes very prominently to mind is a game called Danganronpa. Oh right, yes. <laughs> and it's a series. I don't know if you played those ones either. It's a, it's on it's on Game Pass, so I have it downloaded, but I've not booted yeah. it up yet. Highly recommend it. I've only played the, I've only beaten the first one and played part of the second one, on Vita. Uh, but basically, there's these trials, but where like people's lives are on the balance, and they have quite literal verbal combat, <laughs> be- because you're you're sort of. Art, as a panel, you're sort of arguing towards the guilt or the innocence of a certain character. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to hear hear the dialogue arguments come in and you're supposed to attack the inconsistencies mm. or the supporting aspects of the arguments. It's a so, sort of like a super intense, what is it, Ace Attorney style game. But call, I would call Danganronpa literal, you know, verbal dialogue combat. Oh, okay. It is very enticing. It's very brave and bold. Uh, it's a very kooky game. But <laughs> they could have done that with this. But I think they made the safe choice. Yeah, well, these games, these very... big budget like games have to have right. combat in them. So right. yeah. and it, it's fine. Exactly it's, it's, right. not the worst, it's not the worst combat. It's better than Avengers. It's 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 fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's not the worst. It's just there. And I, I wish, you know, like the, 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 the huddles were just a hint at what it could have been. And the, actually, the, the, the enemy design is pretty cool and va- varied, at least. They mix things up a bit there. You're not just fighting humanoids all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, having played games like Wonderlands recently, I, I wish that the variety of enemies was even greater. But yeah. Uh, yeah. what they had was was good enough. I thought, actually, one of the coolest aspects of the combat slash the exploration mechanisms was those elemental weapons that sort of get teased out over the course of the game. Yeah, but very slowly, though. (laughs) Right. There's specific points, like basically there's four of them. And, you know, a quarter into the game, you get the first one. And, you know, another half into the game, you get your second one. And they get slowly doled out. And over time, you you know, you can choose which one to use at will as your secondary attack as Quill. Some of them have really, you know, strong effects, and mm. I thought that was cool. As yeah, a, you can get quite dynamic there. Like some characters yeah. are, are like are shielded and need ice, or I can't remember the other one. Is it, is it plasma? Is, it, is, it, is they're all effective against different types of enemies and trying and, and switching back and forth dynamically? I think this was one of the more interesting moments in the game. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool sort of actually very smart strategic aspect to the combat, but in an overall pretty forgettable combat system. Yeah, like the, you've got the the other characters that are helping you, but they, they all have four abilities. But the, the the symbols for them all look pretty similar, and I struggled to memorize what what which of the six like the sixteen abilities all in all. Trying to remember what they all do, it was 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 difficult. I found so I just banned yeah. the same one over and over. Find find a system exactly. that works. Let's use it. <laughs> I unlocked them all, but you're, exactly, you're right. Yeah. I just I just stuck to my tried and true ones that I got used to over time. <laughs> uh, basically, it's just like tight laser focused attacks or area effect attacks that's about it 
they, they, they all do have re- relatively um, unique systems. Like Groot, Groot can lock them down with vines, and was it Drax has more? Oh, sorry, Rocket has more sort of area of effect attacks with his rockets. Uh, Gamora has sort of focused on one one character sort of attacks. Uh, so they they all do feel somewhat distinct, but within them, those abilities are, are very varied. <laughs> What do you think? Should we, can we give our overall opinion of the game at this point? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the combat's not a, a, it's not it's not enough to sort of suggest you don't play it, basically. So the the, the combat is is, is adequate, uh, and that with the storytelling. I think it's enough to to definitely recommend checking this out. It's it overstays its welcome a little bit, but the the characterization and storytelling is is so strong. I I feel it's really worth checking it out as a take, treat it as a narrative game with a little bit of combat tacked on. <laughs> yeah, my opinion is essentially the same as yours. At sixteen chapters, it felt a little too long. I wanted it to end one or two chapters sooner. But you know, if you look at it as a you know a quantity over quality aspect, you know the quantity is certainly there. Um, it lasted a li- bit longer than I wanted to, but the quality is definitely there and in enough aspects to keep you compelled to finish it. Uh, I certainly did. As a narrative game, it it went into some really brave areas. Some of the characterizations were quite unexpected. Some you know you saw you see different sides of the characters than um than the MCU movies because the relationships are different. Like there's, there's not, love in- it's not Disney sort of sanded off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a little right. more dark, a little darker at times. Yeah. And the, the character relationships, like the, the love interests are different and some characters come in the, and some characters go and other characters that were just hinted at in the movies are fleshed out in much more detail here. So, um, and even one character that, has just been hinted at yeah. is, is a is a major character in this oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and quite an interesting one too. That that character, uh, some of the most brilliant dialogue writing for that guy. <laughs> I, was, I was really I was really like not a huge spoiler, but I was I was really pleased that Mantis makes an appearance and, and yeah. quite a quite a good um uh, like she she it's a little different from the from the game in that she's got like some some sort of future vision sort of multiverse vision of something going on that um makes for some interesting conversations <laughs> yeah her character is really her character is really uh well um flashed out in this game i feel like but it's not overly in your face but it's no. yeah it's it's like a cool sort of like like a lando calrissian sort of like comes in at the right times and really helps out the the, the effort essentially yeah, she, she ends up playing quite a decent role towards the end, I thought. But uh, yeah, if you've got, you've got Cosmo, um, it actually has a spe- who only like very briefly appears in the movie, I think. Yeah, uh, Cosmo's has, fantastic. Has a, has a speaking role here. <laughs> yeah, nowhere the 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 setting, the sort of in the space skull, which is a famous setting from the comics, is. Oh, you got to have um, your CD CD scum of sorry hive of scum of villainy whatever it is yeah. right right it's uh, fleshed out in much greater detail in this yeah. and is is a really lush part of the 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 world building so just like fantastic areas and um even just exploring some of the ships like the i think it's fair to say the nova core is a very you know important part of the marvel space universe and hardly touched upon at all in in the mcu just yet but i think it's it's poised to be a big aspect of the mcu coming up yeah i think there was a not just i won't spoil anything but towards the very end there was a little bit there was a hint towards a character 
having some similarities with Captain Marvel, maybe? I don't, I don't know enough about the about the, the Nova Corps, but a character went Super Saiyan or something? It looked a bit like Captain Marvel? <laughs> yeah, I think the Nova Corps is sort of somewhat equivalent to the um, Green Lantern Corps in the DC right. universe. Okay. So they're like a sor- sort of whole galactic force that's there. So there's, there's many, many characters even within that, which... I, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I, I just know that they're big. And um, it's cool that they touched upon that. On, they touched upon a lot of areas that the, the MCU hasn't yet. So yeah, very, very cool. So I'm sure if you're a fan of, of the comics, there's probably lots of Easter eggs and, and cool touches in there for you. <laughs> so much lore, so much to explore. Um, it's definitely worth checking out, even if you have a tangential interest in uh, MCU or Guardians of the Galaxy. If you like sci-fi, you kind of have to like sci-fi <laughs> and you, you like motley characters uh, and narrative based games. And 80s uh, music. I yeah. I think you're going to enjoy this one. I think you mentioned that there's like, there's not just the eighties licensed music. They also, they, they wrote a whole album. Like the, the star Lord has named himself after a band, like an 80, an eighties hair metal band. And that, that band has a whole album in the game that they wrote just for it, which isn't, it's not the best, <laughs> but it's, it's very, it's very appropriate. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Like they have a, like a set case and like liner notes and a poster art. And it's the pretty, attention it's- to detail is like, that's a great example of the attention to detail that's going to every part of this game. Yeah, speaking of attention to detail, did you check out that notebook, that that little diary that Star-Lord oh, writes? Only a couple of times, but yeah, it's like a summary of everything you've seen so far with like, yeah, cool little notes and commentary and things. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty wild. You could publish that book. It's it's really <laughs> fleshed out. <laughs> so so many cool things about this game. I don't think uh it just drained me a bit much, so I don't think I'll do a new game plus, but you know, it's it's definitely worth the money um and it's definitely worth the money for free if you have game yep. pass. Check it out in game pass. Um th- throw a coin in the in the game pass bucket. <laughs> That's right. Give give Microsoft give us your your bucks, please. Your sponsorship dollars. But we've talked a lot about this game. Shall we talk a little bit about the next game we're going to cover? Yeah, well, of course, we're going back to the analog side of the coins. So, uh next episode we're going to be looking at a game that just hit beta on Board Game Arena. That is Great Western Trail. This is not a new game. But, no, uh, so I, a I wonder, remaster came out recently, second edition. Yeah, do you know if it's going to be based on the new version? Well, the, the, the board game arena implementation is the new version, I believe. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't know a lot about the differences, but um, I look forward to... I thought the original was great. Um, I've only played the expansion once, but I'm interested in playing more great Western Trail, so I'm excited to tackle it. I believe the the... the um the new implementation is largely i mean a few few balances and tweaks but they they also i think they took out some of the the indian representation that was a little unfortunate in the original and it's, it's just like generic bandits now or something like that uh but it, it's actually part of a trilogy uh there's there's the great western trail sort of us edition there's a south american edition i can't remember what country yeah, is it, exactly is it in brazil or argentina or something yeah, it's somewhere like I think it might be Argentina. Sounds about right. But the one I'm actually quite excited to check out is the third one is going to be New Zealand um, trading in sheep. <laughs> so as, as an Australian, I'm, I'm quite curious to, to check that one out. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. It's the Great Western Trails cinematic board game universe. <laughs> 
great. Well, yeah, stay tuned for that. We'll be we'll get a few games in, I guess, over the coming weeks. And yeah, let us know if you've been playing Guardians. Uh, remember, you can send us your comments and questions at omnigamersclub at gmail.com or on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Tell us which narrative choices you ended up making. Maybe we'll hear about entirely different character turns and twists that we didn't know about. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks, Mark, for another great episode. <laughs> yeah, well, long weekend's not over, so I hope you get a bit more gaming in. Yes, I'm, I'm going to go back to learning Merchants, Merchants of the Dark Road, I think. <laughs> Fantastic. I think I'm going to boot up Tales of Arise and play some more of that. Enjoy. All right, good gaming to you and good gaming to all. All right, GG. <laughs> and out. Bye. Bye.